Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. In my office at home, I have a copy of the Bible that is, dates to the mid-1700s. Of course, being that old, it's King James Version, the authorized King James Version, I might say. It's about that thick, and um, it's, it's fun to, to get out and look at and see a lot of the old English words that were not translated into modern English uh, in 1611 when, when the King James was, was translated. And as I thought about this, this text this week, I dug that out and looked at the word worship. And the word worship in that copy of the scripture is pronounced worth-ship. In fact, it's spelled W-E-O-R-T-H-S-C-I-P-E, pronounced worth-ship. Now, the meaning of that, that translation in, in, in that context uh, that I researched was something that we acclaim worth to or give worth to, something that is worth our worship, worth our investment to empty ourselves for. We're going to look at four different places in first, uh, Luke, Luke chapter 1 and 2 today that are four different contexts of worship that occurred around the birth of Christ. And we talked about um, these gifts from, from Bethlehem to, our, to us and, and this incredible gift that worship is and these stories here that we're going to look at today speak to that, I think. And there are some great lessons for us to learn, some takeaways today. So join me, if you will, first in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign unto you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. This speaks to the fact that we are called to worship him verbally. Worship him verbally. The angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. Meaning, I have a story to tell you that's going to change both your life for here and your life for the hereafter. It's that big, that, that significant a story. Uh, it's, and, and the takeaway from that is we can and should learn all the scripture that we can learn and know, sing all the songs we can, give all we can, serve all we can. Uh, but the most powerful thing at your disposal is your story of how God's story has changed your life, your future, your eternity. That's what you have at your disposal in worship. Uh, and that's, that story is is powerful as God uses it to, to reach your friends and family members and co-workers about how he's changed your life. That, in, in essence, is worship given life to day after day after day as we tell and retell that story. Uh, and they, they can't bear the good news unless we tell it uh, to others. It also our, behooves us to tell him of our love for him and our worship and our praise to him. Um, 
Hebrews 13, 15 puts it this way. It says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Willie Nelson wrote a song, Always on My Mind. That's, that's the context, really, that our worship should have. It should always be on our lips. It should always be on the ready. Not just on Sundays, but even more so, um, more so through, through the days of the week in our, in our private time together. But we are called to worship Him verbally. And then once you look at the next couple, couple of verses there in the second chapter of Luke, verses 13 and 14, it says this, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared to the angel, were with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This speaks to the fact that we are called to worship him in community, not only verbally, but worship him in community. A great company of the heavenly hosts, this verse says. So all of heaven wanted in on the birth of Jesus in terms of his worship. We should come on Sundays with that same attitude, all of us wanting in on the worship, wanting to get in on it as best we can. Um, corporate worship is imperfect. It's imperfect singing that you've heard this morning. It's imperfect preaching that you're hearing now. It's imperfect praying that you just heard a few moments ago. It's imperfect giving. At, at its best, all of our worship is imperfect. Yet, we're called to worship him corporately. Uh, in fact, every, every form of worship this side of heaven is imperfect. That worship there on the other side will be perfect. But our inhibitions will often silence the blessing God wants to use, not only to bless himself, but to bless others around us. Our inhibitions and our silence uh, in worship do a couple of things. First of all, it gives Satan the glory. If you're like most, when you get up on Sunday morning, it's the, it is extremely hard for you to get from home to church with an attitude of worship. Something either happens at home, something happens on the drive, somebody cuts in front of you on, on, on your drive to church, or get here and it's raining, uh, you know, or whatever. It, it is the enemy's job, and he, he's good at it, and he does it every week faithfully in your home, in my home, and all, all homes of all believers trying to get the church to worship. Try and change our attitude in terms of what, how we walk in those doors, our readiness to give ourselves away to God. He's consistent to, to do that because he wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your worship. He wants to, to take it captive. And that kind of brings us to the second thing that, that um, keeping our inhibitions and our silence does. It, it holds encouragement to others hostage. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Listen to with me, if you will. Chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but... Watch this. Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So your admonishment and my admonishment in Scripture is to come together faithfully to encourage one another in worship. That, that our worship would be uh, uh, such that it jumps from us to the one next to us, to the one beside them, to the one beside them. And our, our worship is contagious. It's, it's, it's infectious. Yeah, that's, that's what it's called to be in community. Uh, if, if you knew that your worship expression, what that could be to God and what that could be to others, why would we hold that back? Why would we want to stay in reserve and, and seem dignified? And there's nothing wrong with dignity. He, he, he deserves 
all the reverence we can give him. But there is something to, to losing ourselves in, in abandonment when we come into God's presence. And so that's, that's the power of community and worship and the power of corporate worship. We're called to worship verbally and in community. Now, turn back to Luke chapter 1. And look at, look at this story in verses 39 to 45 together of Mary's visit to Elizabeth. Luke chapter 139 says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried down to the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. This speaks to the fact that we are called to worship him demonstrably. Not only worship him verbally and in community, but to worship him demonstrably. It says, this text says, the baby leapt in my womb, leaped in my womb for joy, she says. So, if the unborn, of course, that's John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb. If the unborn are worshiping phys with physical expressions, uh, why not us? How much more should we worship him with, with, with our, our, all of who we are? I wonder why our, our inhibitions keep us from doing that. Uh, I would say, we'd guess that it's because some have, in doing so, drawn attention to themselves instead of to the Lord. And... We don't want to do that, and rightfully so. I, I get that. I totally understand that. But if our focus is on Him, and genuinely and, 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 and uh, uh, totally, completely, totally on Him, why would we care what others think about that? If, if our focus is, is vertical and not how I'm seen or perceived, if, if, if our focus is on him, I wonder why we would, we would worry about what others think about that. The Holy Spirit has a way of, of revealing the illegitimate from the, from, the, from the legitimate in the first place. And so he's, that's, that's his job. Uh, it's, we're encouraged to give our hearts and voices, our hands, our feet, all of ourselves over to the Lord and, and let the Holy Spirit sort out the rest. Psalms 63 speaks to that. It says, O God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. My, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Uh, I think this is a way of God saying, hey, can you give me a hand? Can you give me a hand? Uh, or, or, or some expression that, that moves beyond just the, the, the song that's on your lips. And while I'm at that as well, I'm a musician. I've been a musician all my life. And it bugs me to hear professionals sing off key. And people pay money to hear them sing off key. I love it when the church sings off key.
That tells me that the, the, the inhibitions are gone. And we're, we are who we are. Uh, on key or off, loud or soft, uh, all we have given over to him in worship. The word of worship him demonstrably with all that we are. Scripture says David danced before the Lord. Psalms 149. And um, I've seen some people that can't help but move when they worship, and I'm fine with it. Um, as long as I, as I said, let the, let the Holy Spirit draw, uh, draw a distinction between the ones that are genuine before the Lord and are doing so to be seen. That's his job, not ours. But uh, we need to engage all that we are in worship and, and be less and less inhibited about that. Finally, not only are we called to worship verbally and in community and demonstrably, but once you turn back to chapter 2 again of Luke, look at verses 35 to, or 25 to 32 together. It speaks to the fact that we're called to worship him gratefully. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought, the, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. This calls us to worship him gratefully with hearts of gratitude. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, and in essence saying, Thank you for keeping your promise. You're God that keeps your promises. You're God that comes through and follows through. And what you say you're going to do, you're going to do. And seeing this boy in my arms, uh, I realize your promise has been kept. Uh, what, is that, what should that say to us? It should say to us that the God of the universe knows you. Knows you and knows everything about you. Wants to make himself known to you. Wants to make himself known through you to those around you. Uh, if you want to know what turns depression into deliverance, it's gratitude. A grateful heart. What turns addiction into, into victory? It's gratitude. What turns rejection into redemption? Or what takes life's garbage and turns it into glory? Is a heart worshiping in gratitude to the Lord. Uh, Hebrews 12, 28, 29 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For God is a consuming fire. Have there, have there ever been times you wanted to sing and couldn't? Probably couldn't and wanted to too. There have been times where I've been I've wanted to sing. The only thing I could get out was. Whew. 
when the Holy Spirit takes over a room and the hearts in that room, it's, uh, it's inexpressible. The gratitude is inexpressible because you're, you're part of a holy moment. You know you don't deserve to be there. I know I don't. And yet we are. And so we're grateful to God. Um, when our world is shaken, this, this passage says, he remains unshaken. When our world doesn't know what's true, he, he, he remains truthful. He knows us. He loves us. Gives to us, pursues us anyway in spite of what we are and who we are. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the worship by the Magi, or as I refer to them, the wise guys. And we saw in them, in, in their pursuit, uh, just to do one thing, to come and worship. We saw this picture of persistence, of submission, a picture of giving, a picture of obedience. I wonder if that looks like us here on Sunday. I wonder if it looks like you and me. If the kingdom of God worships like you, is the God of the kingdom pleased with it? If the kingdom of God worships like you do, is the God of the kingdom pleased with it? How do I know? Well, whatever I ascribe worth to, worship is what I'm going to worship. Whatever I give more worth to than God, those are the things I'm going to worship more than him. If I value him and give him more worth than anything else, worship's going to naturally overflow out of that full pot. If I've got to conjure it up and, and, and uh, drum it up on Sundays, there are things worth more to me than he is. If that comes naturally out of, out of my voice, out of my hands, out of my feet, out of my heart, for you and I, his worth is of greater value than anything in this world. And when he is, when that's true, Worship is easy, comes easy, and is more honest and open and transparent than anything else, any other element of our faith. And so I hope as you celebrate the birth of the Savior this, this, this year, this week, that you'll think on how you worship, how you, how you approach that. If, if you come here expecting to give or come here expecting to get, I wonder if you, if you come expecting God to show up before you even set foot in the door. As soon as you drive up, in, in, drive up the driveway, you start to sense his presence. I don't know. Uh, that should be true of us and every church for that matter. Uh, it's what we ascribe worth to that matters. If we ascribe worth to him, worship's not going to be a problem, as I said. Do that in my heart, Lord, this, t this day. Let's pray. Father, we're, as we just looked at in, in your word, and as I just shared, our best worship is inadequate. It's imperfect in many ways. It's flawed because we're flawed. It's flawed because we're broken people in a broken world. But you're perfect. Your word is perfect. Your spirit is perfect. And when we follow you into that perfect place, that place of worship, 
We make this room a perfect place because you're here, not because we are, because you're the focus, not ourselves. And I pray today that as we celebrate the birth of the King, that we're drawn to worship the King. It's fun to buy gifts for our families and friends. Nothing wrong with any of that. But this season about, is about worship. To thank the God of the universe for caring so much for us, for loving us so much, to send the perfect spotless sun into a dark and dreary, <coughs> sinful place, self-centered place, to grow up as a human, yet divine, in a sinful place, yet sinless, to give himself away on a cross for our sins. I pray that the reality of that truth stirs us not just in this room, more importantly outside this room, as we engage a culture, and folks at home, folks at work, folks at the grocery store, the bank, the ball field, as we engage those around us that we carry with us a spirit and attitude of worship, not that we're singing all the time or praying all the time, but that we're expecting you to show up wherever we go. You're already there. We know that. If we live with that expectation, that's going to be contagious to folks around us. They're going to see that, that attitude we have of wondering, God, how are you going to do it here? How are you going to be at work here? How are you going to show up over there? And we go into each situation and circumstance of life expecting you to already be there and work ahead of us. And we worship you because of it. We love you today. Well, that seems inadequate at its best, but as you look in this room, would you see hearts that long to love you, long to know you more, long to cry out to you and worship and give ourselves away. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ. 